Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network, a daily live NHL show Monday through Friday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can find us on Twitter at Edgework Show. You can find us on YouTube as Edgework. And if you want to track all the picks that are made Monday through Friday by everyone who's on the show, you can go to the BetStamp app. You click the little icon where it's two people side by side. It says Find Betters. Click on there. You can search for us as edge work you can track all the picks in real time see how we do throughout the course of the week i am very excited about today's show not only because we have a lot of nhl games tonight there's some cool storylines going on but there were some cool uh, or interesting i guess stories that went down last night matt i'm gonna start with you are there any takeaways from last night's games that went on that st- stand out to you uh short answer is no uh, longer answer is I'm just happy to be here after breaking an, a world record last week. I became the first person, not just on the Hammer Network or here at Edgework, to advocate for a team as my best bet, have them score eight goals, <laughs> and lose that bet. So bow down, everyone, for I have returned. Now, if you want to talk about last night, Okay, we can talk about some pond hockey in Vancouver. I think we have the right guy here to do so in so money here. But I had to at least mention, before we talk about Vancouver and Montreal, the all-time pond hockey game was last week, was last Tuesday. So, yeah, we lost the bet last week, losing 9-8, to but you're welcome for the entertainment. So, money, how entertained were you last night by the Montreal-Vancouver game? Obviously... You know, listen, for nothing, we're starting to, you know, get bummed out about the team. We're, we're cashing Boudreaux first coach fired tickets. And, uh, you know, then some stuff happened. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that game was a uh, was a microcosm of my life as a Canucks fan and <laughs> kind of what I what I go through on a on a day to day basis here. The team complete no show in the first period. I'm sitting here thinking that how how do you not show up at all? Right. Like, you know. You know what's going on around the team. Just, just complete no show. And then, and then all this spark comes out of nowhere. So they get your hopes up. And yeah, you, you, you know, the team's starting to look good. They, they even take the lead, right? Everything's looking good in the third period. And then, <laughs> then, then they're losing again. And then they come back and score. So now I'm sucked in, of course, as usual, right? Like, like they, they, they always end up getting me in the end. And. There's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that when, when is their next game? It's against the Sharks, I think. Like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that they're gonna come out and just, and and just get smoked by the Sharks here, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the way it works. Yeah, they're not winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. There's no chance. That team's just a gong show right now, too, right? Like, you're looking at all the storylines surrounding it, too. It's not just the fact that they're losing games or they're in these ridiculous shootouts and blowing leads and stuff. It's on top of that. It's 
Brock Besser gets scratched on hockey fights cancer night and then all of a sudden he's in the lineup because there's an injury in warm-ups and Bruce Boudreau had no idea like there's just so much stuff going on surrounding it I'm hearing I was listening to something yesterday Elliot Friedman saying that this is beyond Brock Besser and JT Miller and Bo Horvat potentially being traded this is possibility of maybe Demko being traded and a complete complete restart here in Vancouver it's just (laughs) like I don't even know what to do when looking at them because that's kind of what it's been like year after year after year right like you're looking at this team it's like well they might rebuild and then no they're gonna do what the NHL has now moved to with the retool they're just gonna retool and then somehow they go out and they buy the wrong tools and and the and and like the worst thing too for me is that like like all these years they keep sucking me. The one year, the one year that I'm okay with them losing a few games, right? To for me to actually win a bet where where it's correlated on them losing, right? <laughs> they in the last um the last what couple of weeks here for four games they've trailed in the third period and come back and won. Like the one time that I don't need that to happen. Just playing for the coach. They're just playing. It's devastating for me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's what we talked about. We've been talking about for weeks, right? This is a bad brew. This is a bad mix. All these players are individually like very good and very valuable theoretically throughout the rest of the league, right? But like hockey is based a lot on chemistry, and you know, it's just (laughs) this group is not working. It just is, you know, I don't, it's not the coach. It's not necessarily the goaltender, although, you know, although that's now this major issue because you don't even have the like fingers crossed Demko might have a good game any day now type of thing. And you're relying on guys that you did not think that you were going to rely on between the pipes at the start of the year. But just fundamentally, the group doesn't mix. And sometimes that happens because you can make all these great draft picks individually, right? Like all of these picks were largely successful, even some of the free agent acquisitions and the guys that they plucked, you know, from Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, yeah, it just it, I'm sorry, it's just not working. It's just not the, the correct mix. It's it's the correct mix for an average team that is going to play some really entertaining games from time to time. But it's just not, you know, a playoff or sort of deep run type of a mix at this point. And it'd be very surprising, but just all of a sudden became that way. Todd, what were you thinking watching last night's uh, shootout, track meet, whatever you want to call it? I was <clears throat> I was not enjoying it because my night hinged on uh, either Caulfield or Pedersen hitting the overs on his shots. <laughs> Caulfield scored like on his third shift of the game, and the next shot I got from either of them was the Pedersen OT winner. Just neither <laughs> of them shot the entire game. Oh man. Yeah, I had someone message me yesterday morning asking me my thoughts on a Caulfield over two and a half shots on goals, like. Oh, I think that that's probably pretty good. Talk th- talk through it with them, like why they wanted to do. It. I'm like, yeah, I think that's fine. I see that the score is four nothing in the first period. I'm like, wow, Caulfield must be involved in this. There's no way he's not involved. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Todd. That's uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad bounce there. Um, all right, looking ahead to tonight's games, there's a bunch of games on on the schedule. I want to start with a head-to-head. As Todd mentioned in our group chat earlier, that's what the people come here for. And who else could it be other than Matt and Todd going head-to-head on this game? So just to tee it up, the Ottawa Senators, the LA Kings clashing in this one. The Senators are a team that... They started out not so great, bottom of the league. I mean, it's not like things have necessarily like turned around there in Ottawa. They're not uh, gunning for top spot in the league at this point. But 
they've started to play better and most of that has been on the back of their captain Brady Kachuk all of a sudden over the weekend he just went old-time hockey Eddie Shore on everybody and he's fighting scoring goals and he says watch this I'm gonna put the team on my back and we're gonna win this game in mostly because uh, I'm gonna will us to that and now all of a sudden this Ottawa team is looking like they've got some life under them they've got some uh, jump to their game Todd, start with you. You're going head-to-head with Matt on this game. What are you seeing in this Sens uh, LA Kings game tonight? Yeah, I played the Senators last night at minus 109. Um, I just really like what I've seen from them of late. Over the last 10 games, they've controlled 56% of the expected goal share, which is third in the league. Um, Despite that, they've only won five of the 10 games. Uh, A big reason for that is simply they haven't scored on their 5,000 chances. They've only scored on 4% of their 5-on-5 shots during the streak which is dead last by a mile. But the good news is the right team's coming to town. Uh, the Kings have had goaltending issues all season long. They're near the bottom of the league and five on five goals against. Uh, Jonathan Quick has an 888 save percentage and poor goals saved above expected numbers. So if the Senators can continue to generate five versus five opportunities like they have, they should be able to score on a much higher rate uh, given the way Quick's playing right now. Yeah, and I don't disagree with any of that, just like I haven't the last, what, four games that we've, four weeks that we've gone, you know, head to head, if you will. And I think we're doing this thing where one of us wins, one of us loses, you know, each yeah. uh, each week. Uh, I think I got you last week with the uh, Winnipeg Jets winning as an underdog at home against the Colorado Avalanche. And that wasn't because the Jets were a better team than the Colorado Avalanche. I'm not even really sure the the Kings are necessarily a better team than the Senators. And this might be one of these deals where it's just kind of turning, right? Where the Kings had this good sort of metric start to the season and the Senators didn't. And now the Senators are starting to kind of, as we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, they're starting to gel. They're starting to get it figured out. They're starting to be the team that we expected them to be at the start of the year, where their market rating and where their uh, point total season long point totals were that being said you know my mom my numbers say like if you can get something with a plus in front of it you know ideally a plus 110 then the kings need to be a play right now they're plus 106 plus 107 i think is kind of the best number on the in the market right there so it isn't so much that i've like even bet this yet i'm just kind of waiting for honestly people to agree with todd bet on senators <laughs> get this number up todd will sit there with his minus 109 have the time of his life and then we'll come back and we'll grab our plus 110 and honestly we're kind of talking about the same thing there right with an appropriate value of todd at minus 109 at me at plus 110 you know obviously those numbers aren't going to exist concurrently but over the course of the market from the open last night to the to the puck drop tonight you know that's kind of the whole point here right you get the best of the number where you can so uh, fundamentally i'm sitting and waiting and hoping people see and get excited about honestly some of the narrative stuff that zach had mentioned with um uh, you know kachuk getting you know putting the team on his back etc cetera, etc cetera. if he wants to do that again you know more power to them but you know that's not something you're going to do all 82 games if you will so uh, i'm just kind of waiting on this we'll see if we can get a plus 110 on the kings and i'll hop in uh, at that point and if anybody ever needed any type of convincing of why you should sign up for uh, multiple sports books, especially including uh, the score bet and why you would sign up there as well, if you go onto the BetStamp app and you plug in all the sports books that you have, you can see that uh, you're looking at tonight's game. You'll see there's a uh, opportunity to get the Ottawa Senators at plus 100 on different book and plus 106 on the LA Kings there. So that is the uh, the power of line shopping. I do actually have a best bet in this game myself. Uh, I'm looking at Alex DeBrinkett, anytime goal scorer here, plus 170, seeing best price on this one. Uh, most of this is just 
Alex DeBrinkit is in a contract year. He's going to be restricted free agent at the end of the season. I think there's going to be some desire to potentially boost up some of these numbers here for him. Um, we are seeing the Senators turn some things around a little bit. That that line DeBrinkit was playing on, it's not like they've been playing bad. He's just under point per game so far, but I feel like we might see a little bit of an uptick, and he's performing below his uh, expected goals despite generating a good amount of chances so far to start this season. So plus 170 for DeBrinkit anytime goal scorer against team with uh, struggling goaltenders. I will, I will take that all day. Uh, the other thing was, I don't know if you guys saw this, did you see the egregious trip at the end of the Senators-Sharks game the other day that led to the Claude Giroux goal? Oh, I, my goodness. I missed that one. That one, <laughs> that one got past me. Of all the stuff that is being called or not called that has gone viral online lately, if you get a chance to go and watch this one, it's a great goal. It's hilarious. Claude Giroux goes on a 2-1-0 and just rips a slap shot from the top of the circle on a 2-1-0. But leading to that, there is a crazy trip out by the blue line against the Sharks that they have every single right to be uh, to be going absolutely mental over that no call as they were pushing late in the game. Um, anyways, <laughs> new g- next game here, Winnipeg, Florida. We'll go to, cause we got double best bets in this one. So money, the, uh, the Florida Panthers, they picked up a couple of wins against the Kraken and, uh, your Vancouver Canucks over the past few games, both notably five to one, allowing only one goal in each of those games. This Florida team, they should be good. Maybe not great, but they should be good. They've been struggling a little bit with Bobrovsky. You're looking here at uh, at this Florida Winnipeg game. It's a goal. It's a matchup where on the other end you are you have a team who's been getting incredible goaltending. What are you seeing in this Florida Winnipeg game? I see a Florida team that even though they're missing Barkov um, and a, and and a couple of other regulars there, they're a team that especially on the road is really trying to uh, tighten up defensively. Now they did play the Canucks, which I mean. At that time, there's not much to say about that game, but I was really impressed with their game in Seattle um, against a team that has shown that that they can get after it. So um, I do like the way that that Florida is trying to play defensively. I think that that can work well for them in Winnipeg in what should be a tighter game because the Jets are trying to do the same thing as well. Um, I think that if they can... Um, if 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 they can slow that game down, which is weird to say for a Panthers game, if they can if they can slow that game down, I think that um, I do like the Panthers here. Now, one thing I will say though is that um, we need the Panthers goaltender. There's um, um, I I do like Florida, but there's no chance that I'll be betting Florida if I see Bobrovsky in goal. So um, I do need confirmation on night before before I move forward. But if it is night. Um, I like Florida I th- and hopefully in a in a, a tighter, low-scoring kind of game. Zach, what's the best price you have for the Panthers up on the board? Because I, I was looking at this game too, and this was this qualified for me at Panthers minus 110, uh, which is around where it was last night. But fundamentally, it comes down to what you make of Barkov and his win probability that he adds or, in this case, subtracts. Because I've kind of had it built in at around 3%. And he's been out for a few games now and the market's kind of 
sometimes it's adjusted. I felt like that for him not being in the lineup. And then other times, I think against the Canucks, for example, they were like, yeah, we don't really even seem to care whether Barkov is playing or not. And the price, you know, was actually pretty fair in that game. And so if, you know, you sort of adhere to the idea that he sort of, you know, has a three, four percent win probability here, um, you know, subtracted, then, you know, I, I have to stay off of the Panthers. But if it's a situation, as so many mentions, that like they seem to be sort of, you know, rallying around it or, or sort of, you know, making up for what he usually brings to the team, and a lot of that is sort of defensive responsibility, then, you know, then he honestly, for a game or two here, it, it might not matter that he's not in the lineup, especially against a team like Winnipeg. So, um, it's it's something that I was looking at minus 110, you know, sort of saw this morning that it's closer to minus 120. That's kind of put yeah. me off of that. But if so money's on it, then uh, I might have to get back in even at a price that I don't necessarily love. Yeah, just, right now I was just seeing wait. just minus 115 there. Sorry, so money. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, just, uh, just wait for the goalie. There's no chance I'm betting this game with Bob. <laughs> Fair what enough. price would you need? Well, what price would you need to bet Florida? Like if he if he was in and all of a sudden you're getting plus money, like how high do we need to go? Like plus 400? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would with um I haven't plugged it in, but like I know that like with with Bob and goal it's it's a significant significant downgrade for me. So um we're we're we're, we're probably looking at a plus 105 range okay. that 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 I would need to even to even consider and i know that's that's um that's even a lot lower than 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 what others in the, in the market will think but i think that that's how bad uh Bobrovsky is for me right now yeah that's fair and uh todd you were looking at uh you were looking at a total in this game yes i uh really like under six and a half as so money mentioned uh the panthers are missing some key forwards which kind of takes uh some of the pop out of their attack and they're trying to tighten up and play a bit lower event, which I like. I also love the goaltending matchup in this game, assuming it goes the way it should. Uh, Hellebuck is, has a 931 save percentage and is third in the league and goal saved above expected. He's been fantastic as he always is. And Spencer Knight has been really good for the Panthers, especially of late. Uh, he has saved 4.4 goals above expected, whereas Bobrovsky's minus 8.6. So if it is Hellebuck versus Knight, uh, I really like under six and a half, especially with uh, Barkov and Lundell. I, I just don't see Florida creating the same volume of chances, and that's what they're going to need to do probably to you know score more than a couple uh, past Hellebuck. All right, so we will lock in the under six and a half on the uh, on the bet stamp app. I'm seeing best price that's widely available at least or should be available for most people will be minus 109 on that. But again, if you shop around, you can find that around minus 105, minus 106, depending on what type of uh, type of books you have. And we will we will wait on the goaltending news. Perhaps by the end of this show, we'll get that. It's not like it hasn't happened before with uh, goalie updates being given out on this show. Now, going to a game that everyone cares about, I'm sure, because it's the most important it's the most important point streak in the NHL right now. That will be Mitch Marner, 19 consecutive games with a point. He's going head to head with Jason Robertson, who is on an 18 game point streak at this point for the Dallas Stars. This one's interesting because you're looking at a Leafs team here who they're missing a bunch of defenders. Uh, they're top defenders, really. I mean, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody. TJ Brody looks like he'll probably come back at some point. It's not going to be here tonight, but 
you're seeing the debut of Connor Timmons. You're seeing the debut of Semyon Durg and Shinsev. Like this Leafs team has just been plug and play, and they've still been able to get some get things done here. They just lost a five game win streak against Tampa the other night, but even then, it if you watch the game, like they were right in it. They by no means were they dominated by Tampa. In fact, they probably deserved to win that game. It just went to overtime, and don't get me started on the Leafs overtimes because as soon as it goes there, I just yeah, that one's a loss. I write it off. But they're going up against a Dallas team who they performed well last year. They got to the playoffs, and man, were they a hard out. And a lot of it is because they had Jake Ottinger in net, and he is an incredible goaltender. But now, all of a sudden, they've got life out of Jamie Benn. They're getting some life out of Tyler Sagan, and it makes that team a whole lot more difficult to face every single night because they are big. They are heavy, they can wear you down, but now they can score a whole bunch of goals and some of it is coming from guys that they didn't even have to go out and acquire. They already had within them uh, so money. I know that you are absolutely hating something in this game here tonight, but uh, tell us about what you're thinking with the Leafs-Dallas Stars game tonight and the most important (laughs) point streak in the NHL that everyone should have their eyes on. Maybe Maybe even in NHL history. (laughs) Ever, (laughs) ever, ever. Um, I did play the Leafs. Um, I, I, I played them earlier. I, I see them. They're up to um, minus 108, minus 110. You can still get them. That's that's fine. Um, the, the big takeaway for me from the Leafs right now is that they're a team that is very good defensively. And it... And it doesn't really show up when you kind of watch their games, but 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 they have a sound defensive structure. Even even through that Tampa Bay game, yeah, they gave up three goals in regulation, right? But I thought they played very well well defensively. And as you said, there was um, they they probably you you could make a case that they that they probably should have won that game. Um, it's just once it once these games get to a coin flip, it's just obviously it can go either way. Um, Dallas, very fun team to watch this year. My 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 concern about Dallas is that we know that um, lately um, they have been trying to uh, to play better defensively, but in a game where both teams are trying to get there, I hold I I have more faith in Toronto with the way that they have played all season to be able to kind of not not shut Dallas down necessarily, but but limit them. To a point where I think that Toronto can um, can uh, take one here in Dallas. So I think it's um, Toronto was a little bit short, and um, I do I I do I do like them here. So here comes Matt, old contrarian Matt has to go head to head with everybody on the show. He just can't let anybody just have <laughs> any fun. I think this is a really interesting game, especially in contrast to what we just talked about with regards to the Panthers, right? And this is sort of a pet theory for me. Now, from a power rating standpoint. The least power rating at this point is kind of it kind of fluctuates on how much importance you put on the fact that they have these cluster injuries to the defense, right? In the same way that Florida has these cluster injuries to the forwards. I have this little pet theory when it comes to hockey and the, and that type of thing where you know you can get by a game or two when you're without a bunch of defensemen, right? Like you can kind of make up for that. We can obviously ha- you know have a forward play further back and you know the, all of that kind of thing, right? You just sort of from an attitude standpoint, you can play better defensively. Whereas, you know, over the long term, as these guys who aren't used to aren't used to these minutes get hit over and over and over, they're playing all these extra minutes, right? Like it kind of like 
falls apart a little bit over the course of an extended period of time. And I think that's what you're going to see when it comes to the Leafs. Whereas for forwards, it's kind of really noticeable in that first game because, you know, you're missing in that first line guy or that second line guy and the power play is less functional and the chemistry up front is less functional. But if you sub, you know, maybe the most talented third line guy or you bring up a guy from the minor leagues or something like that who is going to get that offensive playing time you know he eventually sort of gets used to it finds his role you know you know is less sort of in you know in over his head etc cetera, etc cetera. and like it can kind of work out over the long term where it kind of spreads out so they're kind of both go in different directions and so when it comes to the Leafs here I'm looking at this and I'm kind of tweaking my defensive um, power rating here with the Leafs and I think it has a lot to do with the matchup Right. And I think I have to I have to make it kind of more impactful against a team, as Zach said, who is heavy and who is going to kind of bring the bring the noise on the forecheck, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I don't have this sort of power rated at its core to be sort of a, a bet that needs to be made. But if I think if I kind of tip the scales because of this defensive matchup for the Leafs against this team specifically, then I think that the stars become more valuable. And the other thing is with the schedule here, this is kind of a weird spot for the Leafs, right? Like play a bunch of games at home or, and then on the road. And then they went home for one game and then it's like back on the road to Tampa and then over to Dallas. And then they're going to be back home largely throughout the holidays where they have just, I think, one sort of Eastern relatively quick trip. And it's just kind of this throwaway sort of weird game for them on the schedule. And again, a matchup that I think is not particularly great for them, where by the way, the goaltending matchup is you know, you can say it's not usually all that great for the Leafs, but especially against Ottinger here. So I think there's just a couple of extra things here in this game specifically that are tipping the scales kind of away from the Leafs, and it starts with the defense. Yeah, so um, I I do I do completely agree with you that I think in like the short term you can you can make up for for defensive injuries and um, stuff like that. But what I would say is that we know who's out for the Leafs. We know how long they've been out. And at this point, I would argue that that's already been priced into the market, right? Because of where the Leafs opened um, yeah. in this game. So, like, if if let's say those those guys were in, mm. um, there's no way that we would get the Leafs at this price. Well, and that's what I mean by like it. Uh, the number that I have is fair, right? The yeah. number that I have that I've been using for the Leafs over the course of the period where they have been without Riley and Brody, et cetera, and uh, and Muzzin, et cetera. Like it's been the same, um, you know, power rating essentially, or affected power rating essentially. This is one where I just kind of look at it from a matchup, and I go like, I kind of think I need to put more weight on the idea that the Leafs are thin defensively because this team in the Stars is going to make them pay for you know all these minutes that have added up for guys who are you know, obviously less experienced. Whereas like I might pop the Leafs right back into the the old number, if you will. For their next game, you know, I forget who they're playing next, but like it's it's, it's not going to be a team with a forward group as good as the Dallas Stars, I guess is the point. That's fair. Yeah, and, that's fair. Yeah, and like the great thing about uh, about hockey too is that like um, you can make up for your defensive deficiencies if you have everybody buying in, right? And like um, you have the forwards back checking, you have guys that um, that they, they they have bought in, which is which I think is great to see. And I wish that I saw that more. Like the team I <laughs> well, and that's why I bring up the schedule thing. Cause I don't, you know, normally like to sort of, you know, tell a story with the schedule, but that's why I bring up the schedule element where it's like, how much does this really matter to the Leafs this game specifically? Right. Cause the season's mm -hmm. going along pretty well here. And anytime, obviously the Leafs come to town, especially for the Western teams, 
you know, that the Leafs coming to town means something. And I think that's another reason why you might be disappointed in the Canucks effort in that first period, because when Montreal comes to town, like that's a big game for Vancouver, no matter what. Anytime Toronto or Montreal, and obviously to a lesser extent, Ottawa come to town, that's a big deal. Anytime the Leafs or an original 16 comes to town for any of these teams, like they get up for it out West. My my feelings on the Habs and, and the Leafs jerseys in the, in the, in, in the crowd, whenever they come in town, that's a, uh, that's that that would take up a whole show <laughs> and it should and it should all right let's get to one more game here quickly because i know there's a best bet before we get into uh todd's props i know he's got a lot here tonight matt you're looking at the anaheim uh ducks game here tonight uh as soon as you said that that was a gross one i got Idiot. you want to hear like a bad beat i had I had snuck in Ducks first period and Ducks full game against the uh, against the Minnesota Wild this weekend, and they were tied one one. I was looking at a push at the end of the first period, and Max Jones scored in his own net. So then they lose the first period two to one, and then they battle back. They're winning the game, and Kirill Kaprizov sends it to overtime, and then they get a two on one and a two on zero in overtime. And unfortunately, they can't capitalize, and it ends up that uh, it goes to shootout, and they lose in the shootout. So that was quite a bad bounce for myself in that one. But what is compelling you to go and look at the Anaheim Ducks here tonight against the Carolina uh, Hurricanes? Um, what? Yeah, what could compel somebody to make that sort of decision? Honestly, as same as it always is, right? It's just kind of a numbers thing, right? And what would compel me to bet on the Flyers at home against the Avalanche yesterday, right? And I had an 8% edge on the on the Flyers because why? Nobody wants anything to do with the Flyers. And yeah, most of the time they're not going to win that game. But you wake up the next morning having not watched one second of that game. And you go, oh, the Flyers won. Because when we're talking about teams that are plus 220, plus 230, and obviously higher than that, right? You're probably not going to win the game. That's the whole point of probabilities. But my numbers have this closer to, you know, honestly, sub plus 200. I wouldn't have bet, th- I wouldn't have bet this at plus 200, but now we're up into like the plus 230s. We're headed for 240. Who knows where we might be next? Now, if you want to sort of come up with a story to kind of back this up, Carolina, they've won a bunch of games in a row. They're on this road trip. And if you look at their schedule, it looks like they're on, I think it looks like they're on a seven game road trip. But the reality is it's actually a five-game road trip where they play tonight and they don't play again until Saturday, which means they're headed home after this game before they go back out on the road for two more. Uh, in, and I believe it's like New York and Detroit or something along those lines. They have obviously won, I think, every one of these games. They are starting the backup goaltender, Antiranta, which at this point is probably their third best goaltender in the organization. And by the way, they just played in LA on Saturday, which if you're looking for kind of a sleepy spot, a couple of days in Los Angeles at this time of year is uh, maybe you're not super locked in on that Ducks game that you've got coming down the pipe, given the fact that, again, you've had a successful road trip and you are headed home. All of that is to say, I fully expect Carolina to win the game because I think Carolina is a very good hockey team. But we're talking about a plus, you know, I'm seeing plus 235 to 240 at this point. Yeah. I think we can wait even a little bit longer because people love betting on the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, people are going to throw this in there like, let's finish off the day with an easy winner parlay type situation. Let's cap a three-teamer with Carolina. So we might be getting even a better price by the time puck drop, uh, the puck drops here. 
Um, listen, this is a full-on sort of sadomasochistic type deal here anytime you're getting involved in the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Uh, but yeah, let, let's quack our way to, uh, to another upset win. We're riding high for those who follow the score NHL betting guide after a Flyers win, which again, I watched zero seconds of last night. So maybe I don't realize what I'm getting myself into backing these terrible teams. But the numbers say what the numbers say, and that's why we're on the Ducks here at a big price. Yeah, I had the Flyers last night as well. So boy. I was in this very similar position on that one. Um, all right, we need a name for the. We might need a name for this segment because it's just rapid fire. I don't know, Matt, so money, if you guys have any thoughts. I was like, Todd might reach through the screen and choke me out, but I was thinking off the top of my head, like Toddy Props. This oh, is God. the Toddy Props section. <laughs> oh, God. But Todd, why don't you, you take the floor? You got this one and just all your best props for tonight. All right, I'll just tee off here. Yeah. All right. Um, Mark Scheifele over two and a half shots, minus one eighteen. Um, the Panthers are obviously missing Barkov and Lundell thinner down the middle. Uh, Scheifele's hit over in nine of the last ten games, seven straight home games. Uh, Kyle Connor's the only guy in the Jets with more shot attempts over the last ten, but it's very close. And Connor's line is three and a half, whereas Scheifele's two and a half. I think there's some value there. Uh, Nikita Kucherov over three and a half. Um, he averages an extra shot and an extra couple of attempts per game at home as opposed to the road. Uh, he hit all four meetings against the Red Wings last season. He always seems to tee off on them. I like him at home. Um, Martin Neckass over three and a half at plus 138. The Ducks give up a bazillion shots. Um, if, as Matt said, they actually go ahead and are leading in this game, then they're just going to absorb a ton of shots. Uh, it's a really good spot for Neckass. Um, Carter Verhage over two and a half minus 130. Um, he's playing top line, top power play with Florida's injuries up front. Um, the last couple of games without Lundell and Barkov, he leads the team in shot attempts, scoring chances, shots on goal, pretty much every other offensive category that involves shots. So I like him as well. Then I have a couple of little parlays here. Um, I have John Tavares and Noah Dobson, both over two and a half. Uh, Dobson's been shooting the lights out of late, and the Blues give up a lot of shots to defensemen. Uh, Tavares, uh, he always shoots more on the road because he doesn't see the tough matchups. Uh, everyone's keying on Matthews. Uh, I believe Tavares has hit 9 of the last 10 on the road. Um, and then I have Jane Schwartz and Claude Giroux both under 2.5. Uh, Schwartz only has like 25 attempts the last 10 games. So like he's not shooting at all. He literally would need to hit every single shot uh, to actually get to three shots. Um, and then for Giroux, it's a similar kind of story. Uh, he doesn't shoot at all. He just passes to Kachuk every single chance he gets. And the Kings are pretty good at suppressing shots. So I like that matchup as well. And that's all. Ooh, all right. The, wor- there you the go. world according to Cordell. <laughs> I think is, is what, we, what I've got there. All right. I, I like that. It's definitely better than uh, Toddy Props. So, Todd, I'm sorry for even having suggested that. Um, but if you weren't sure what the props were that Todd just gave out there, make sure you go over to the BetStamp app. You can find us on that little icon that says Find Betters. It's two little people beside each other there. You click on that, you can search Edgework, and you can find all the picks that are given out on this show in real time. You can track them throughout the day. You can track the progress, the line movement, all that kind of stuff, and then you can see how they perform at the end of the night. If you guys missed this and you uh, watched on YouTube, or you want to watch on YouTube, make sure to go over to Edgework on the YouTube channel, or you could go over to podcast platforms, or you can find us across all different podcast platforms and listen back as soon as the show is over. Thank you guys so much for tuning in here today. Thank you, Matt, 
Todd, so money for the insight. Greatly appreciate it as always. I will see everyone next Tuesday. Good luck on your bets tonight. Thanks, guys.